we really uh, do not uh, prefer to take time that's normally devoted to teaching to something uh, of this nature, but it's the only time we can have the majority of our congregation together and to be at the very facility in which any occurrence like that may take place so that we can do what we're going to do at the end of our hour today and actually do a practice evacuation drill for the children and for us, and that will be the end of our time together. So I've been announcing that for the last few weeks. I mentioned it during our first hour. But if that's news to you, then you're probably surprised and uh, perhaps a bit disappointed because we're not going to be looking at a passage or uh, teaching a lesson as we normally do. And I apologize for that, but we obviously think it's necessary, and that's why we schedule it. Okay? But next Sunday, we will begin our 12-week series called Relationships, a Mess Worth Making during this hour. So I encourage you all to be here for that and through mid-December when that series will, will end. We're going to have uh, two folks speaking to you today. I'll begin laying a biblical foundation and a practical foundation for why we have uh, put together the measures that we have for emergency response. And then the head of uh, our uh, uh, security team, Wayne Albright, is going to come. and He's going to give you some of the practical issues associated with what we've put in place, introduce you to some of the security team, and then he'll give you instructions about the actual evacuation, all right? Let me give you three reasons why it is that we have put in place a, a policy to make this place as secure as possible from a human standpoint. There are three, three reasons. The first one is love dictates that we do this. Now, let me explain what I mean when I say love dictates that we do this. Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse 8 in your Bible. Deuteronomy 22 and verse 8 says this. <clears throat> when you build a new house, put a, it says, a parapet around the rooftop so that you will not be guilty of bloodshed. That's what Deuteronomy 22 and verse 8 says. Now, what does that have to do with these security measures? Well, first, what does that verse mean? And then we'll show how it, we think it applies to what we're endeavoring to do with our security team. Deuteronomy 22.8 is part of the law that God gave to his people. The first five books of your Bible, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, those are called the, the Pentateuch, the Torah, the books of the, books of the law. They were all written by Moses, to whom God gave the law, and in particular gave the Ten Commandments, and now notice this, the fleshing out of those Ten Commandments in other laws. Cases, things that you have to do in order to fulfill the top ten. So to put it another way, you have Ten Commandments, with which many of us are familiar with, and you have 613 specific commands in the books of the law that are fleshing out those ten. Now here's how. Most of you know that the Ten Commandments really fall into two categories. One has to do with our relationship to God, and the other our relationship to men. And so you are, to, you are to have no other gods before me. You are to never use the name of the Lord your God in vain. You are not to make for yourself any graven image. You are to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy as unto the Lord, says the law, all relating to God. But then you have these other commands. You shall not bear false witness to your neighbor. You shall not covet anything that is your neighbor. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. These all relate to our relationship with each other. You've got these two categories. 
And then you've got these 613 laws, of which Deuteronomy 22 and verse 8, build a parapet on the roof of your house uh, when, you, when you build a new house so that you will not be guilty of man's, man's blood. And so that is one of the 613 that is fleshing out our responsibilities to people. And I'm saying it's a matter of love for this reason. Do you remember that Jesus was asked, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your soul. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so the two categories of the Ten Commandments have to do with loving God and loving neighbor. And then you've got these specific commands that tell us how to carry out love for God and love for neighbor. And building a parapet around the roof of your house is part of what it means to love God and love neighbor. Okay. How does that specifically show love for God and love for neighbor? Well, what is a parapet? What it is is like a fence, a guardrail, around the top of what was a flat roof that they used. And they used it kind of like we would in the old days use a front porch. Now today, since we don't like people, so we don't want to see anybody else, we have patios on the back porch with big fences. But it's a place where they would socialize. And so... Social activity would actually take place on the roof of the house. And so you put a guardrail around it so nobody falls off and gets killed and you don't become guilty of anyone's blood. That's what it's saying. Now that shows love for God and for people when you take those kinds of safety measures. Love for God because it says, build a parapet around the roof of your house so that you will not be guilty of bloodshed. Why is the bloodshed of a human being important? Because human beings are made in whose image? Genesis chapter 9 and verse 6. Whoever sheds man's blood will have his blood shed because he has destroyed the image of God, is what Genesis 9 and verse 6 says. And so the reason that we would be guilty of bloodshed if we fail to take precautions that we otherwise could to keep people safe and keep them from getting hurt is because... People are made in the image of God. It's a matter of love for God in whose image they're made. And then, of course, it's a matter of love for them as well, protecting them from, from harm. So the first reason that we do this is it's a matter of love, love for God, love for people. God commands, put in place safety measures for the sake of these people who are made in my image. Here's the second reason. It's stewardship. And stewardship, many of you know in your Bible, simply means management. A steward is a, a manager. A steward has been given a management trust, been entrusted by someone else to run his affairs. That's what a steward is, a manager. And the Bible teaches that we are all stewards of the resources that God entrusts to our care. Now, we most often associate that with money. It's God's money. It's God's world. He made it. He entrusts some of that to us to use for his purposes. So we're stewards of the money that God has entrusted to us. It's all true. But we don't often think of it in terms of people. But did you know that people belong to God? And people are entrusted to the care of other people. To manage, to oversee, to look out for. Parents. You are stewards of your children. You are to manage those children, oversee those children for God's purposes, 
That means those children are not yours. And they're not mine. So Psalm 127 and verse 3 says, Children are a reward from who? From the Lord. So we've got to lose the ownership mentality that many of us have about any of our stuff, including the people that God has entrusted to us. He has entrusted our children to us. And so we have a responsibility to make sure that those children that he's entrusted to us are kept are kept safe and secure. Further, it's not only the children. Well, let me before I move off children. You all remember that Jesus cherished children. They're his. And he said in Matthew chapter 19, let the little children come to me. So they're his. We've been entrusted with these children in our homes and in our church. Thus, we must take every measure to look after them as best we can. But it's not just the children. It's the church as a whole. For which we have been given a stewardship, a management responsibility. The church, you all, us, including our children, is not my possession. It's not the deacon's possession. It's not any of our possession. It belongs to God. Ephesians chapter 5, Christ is the head of the church. Acts chapter 20, Christ shed his blood for, gave himself for the, the church by the shedding of his blood. So the church itself belongs to him. So we have a stewardship, a management responsibility before God to take care of the things entrusted to us to run for his purposes. He's the owner of our children and of our church as a whole. So why do we do it? It's a matter of love. Why do we do it? It's a matter of, of stewardship. And here's a third reason why it's important for us to have a safety policy, measures, so that we can, as best you can, from a human standpoint, keep our children and ourselves safe from whatever eventuality. And the third reason is wisdom. Love, stewardship, but then thirdly, wisdom. Proverbs 22 and verse 3 says this. A prudent or wise, that word prudent just means wise, a wise man sees danger and takes refuge. Actually, some translations say sees danger and makes plans. Sees danger and makes plans, but the simple keep going and they suffer for it. So it is a matter of wisdom if we know that there are potential dangers that we take measures ahead of time. We see it ahead of time and we make plans in order to avoid that danger as best we can. We can't, because we don't know everything, avoid everything. But we know some things that could happen and therefore it's incumbent as a matter of wisdom for us to take prudent measures to avoid those. It's a matter of wisdom because we live in a particular culture and time that really, really necessitates it. I think you all would agree with that, that our culture requires that we do this. I mean, it's, you need to do it to some degree at any time, but at this time especially. And let me give you a couple of reasons why at this time our culture really makes it incumbent upon those of us who would take wise approaches to leading God's church have these sorts of policies and procedures in place, two of them. One, we live in a culture that is really litigious. 
I, I don't know what litigious means. Litigation just means legal, law. We live in a litigious society. Or to put it another way, we live in a society that sues everybody all the time. Right? We live in a lawsuit kind of happy society, just to be frank. And so what happens is somebody gets hurt anywhere. You know, somebody slips. By the way, what were we cleaning up this morning? Okay, all right. This was after breakfast we were cleaning up. Okay, so there were lots of reasons to do that. And, you know, the truth is a slip and fall kind of a thing, even if you just you know, spilled something, somebody falls, you say nobody in the church would ever do that. that okay. <laughs> I, we trust you. We just want to verify. And uh, we live in a litigious society. And so for that reason, it's wise to just have as many measures as you can to show in the future that you've done everything you can to take reasonable measures. So we live in a culture that's litigious. We also live in a culture, and I won't spend a lot of time on this, but the fact is we live in a culture that is violent. Now, the security measures that we put in place deal with, you know, somebody having a heart attack, you know, a medical emergency, something like that. But one of the aspects is in the unlikely but possible event that there were some sort of violence threatened upon our congregation. And we live in a violent culture, don't we? Therefore, it's prudent, it's wise for us to look ahead and to take measures in the unlikely event that something like that were to happen. And if you've been paying attention at all, if you just do a, you know, a Google search of you know, churches and violence, you'll just get a bunch of stuff over the last, over the last several years. A lot of reasons for that, um, not the least of which is our culture is becoming increasingly secular and in turn hostile toward religious folk. I'm glad to tell you that, to my knowledge, there's nobody who's really ticked off in our church or any of that. Any act like that is likely to come from someone that's in that situation. And as I say, we know of nobody like that, but that's not to say that could never happen, right? And so it's prudent because of the cultural setting we're in. We're in litigious and violent as well for us to take these kinds of measures. And it's a matter of wisdom not only because of our culture, but because of our specific situation here. Our specific situation as Community Baptist Church makes it incumbent upon us to have measures so that people know what to do in case there was any kind of an emergency, a weather emergency, a fire emergency, a medical emergency, whatever it is. And the reason is, is because we don't own this building. And we didn't lay this building out. We simply use what's already been laid out. And most of you have learned in painstaking ways because you've had to go to classes in other parts of the building that we don't have first choice of the areas of the building that we use. We use the areas that they allow us to use. Our children's classes, then, are on the other side of this building. And it's not because we want it that way, believe me. And we asked and requested more than once to have classrooms that were closer to where we are here, and we weren't able to get that worked out. So we had to put the Sunday school classes that are meeting as I speak in that farthest part of the building from here. It's not ideal, but it's what we have, and so we have to deal with it. At one point, they were going to have our nursery and toddlers as well all the way on that side of the building, and we were able to prevail to have at least a little bit closer for those small, those young children. 
And so it's a matter of wisdom because of the culture we're in. It's a matter of wisdom because of the specific situation. We're in a large, cavernous building. Your kids are on, and my kids are on the other side of the building. We've got to know what we would do and how we would get back together with them as quickly as possible in the event that there is some sort of an emergency. All right? Last few comments, and then I'll have Wayne come up. So what we have to do then, if we're going to be prudent, if we're going to exercise the love that we should, if we are going to carry out our stewardship responsibility before God, what we have to do in a safety policy and procedure is we just have to kind of game this thing. You know, you have to create scenarios as to what kinds of things could happen and then create a response for that. You have to assign duties to various personnel, and Wayne's going to introduce that personnel in just a bit. And train the personnel. In the event that this happens, here's what goes, kicks into action. So you have to have the scenarios. You have to have the personnel who know what they're supposed to do. You have to uh, be aware. Have people who are simply aware then, that are on the security team, but just in statements like I'm making now with the congregation in general, making us all aware to keep our eyes open for potential issues that require a response. You know, uh, somebody throws up. We had a response. But, you know, somebody looks like they're ready to faint or somebody passes out. We need to be able to respond, and you all need to be looking for that. And you also need to have some ideas to who you could go to for that as quickly as possible. Or be aware that somebody's roaming the halls that doesn't look like they're here for the church services and know who to go to to just say, uh, I don't know who this gentleman or lady is, but maybe we ought to find out. Okay? So it's incumbent on us to have scenarios, people who are trained and um, each of us to be to be aware and to develop finally a policy then a policy that carries out our love responsibility our stewardship responsibility and our wisdom responsibility and encompasses all that that necessitates and that's what we've tried to do now Wayne's going to come and tell you a little bit more about that who's involved with it and then he'll give you instructions on the evacuation all right what I'd like to do with the remaining time is uh, take a few minutes and discuss what CBC has put into place as far as our action plan and procedures uh, when, in dealing with certain situations. Now, because of time constraints, I'm not going to be able to go into real specific details and, and, and define each person's specific duties so that you know, because we just don't have time to do that. But what I do want you to understand is that the security team, along with the pastoral uh, staff, has looked at almost every possible scenario that we can and then come up with solutions for those scenarios. And just to give you a couple examples, we do, as Pastor said, we have a policy in place in case of inclement weather. Uh, it doesn't happen very often, but tornadoes do touch down in this area. So we have, a, we have an action plan where some of our security personnel will know exactly where to take this group here. We have security personnel that are going directly to your children's classrooms and put them in the safest hallways. We've already established that with the security team, so they know what to do. We have uh, a policy in place for a fire emergency or any, any type of emergency where we are required to evacuate the building. Wouldn't that just have to be a fire. But we have people, again, our security staff, there are, have specific jobs, and they know to go directly to the nursery. They know to go directly to the children back in the far end of the building, K through 6th grade. And we also have people here that are going to assist you in evacuating. Uh, so that is already put in place. We don't have to have extra help. We have enough people to be able to handle that. You just worry about getting yourself out safely with our help. Uh, we also have a plan in place, again, as Pastor said, in the unlikely 
event that there would be some type of disturbance in the church. The chance of that ever happening is so very slim. But again, if you looked on the computer, you could see story after story after story of churches that thought the same thing. And whether it's a stranger that comes in to make a disturbance or somebody just wanders in, we again want to be able to take care of that because our primary goal is the safety of everyone in the church. And so again, our security staff has been trained on how to deal with those specific situations. Uh, and it's called a lockdown procedure. If in a likely event that we would feel that there was a definite threat, uh, our classrooms would be locked down. And your children know, and the, and the teachers in the classrooms also know, because they've been trained, on where to put your children in the classroom, in the, on the safest wall and, 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 and things like that. Um, so you say, well, how, how do you communicate? Well, we have radios. I'm going I'm to talk about those in just a minute. But along with these examples of uh, action plans, we've also put a security team together. Uh, again, we're not only looking for uh, uh, taking care of something if it was a violence, but we're looking to help you in any way possible. Uh, medical emergencies have already come up uh, three or four times since we've put this plan into place over a year ago. And of course, we've changed buildings since then. We've had to revise our, our plans, but we've already used our security or our, our uh, medical team, and it's proven to work very well. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna have our medical team uh, stand in just a minute. Along with this, we have also supplied our medical team with some very important pieces of equipment. Uh, we've gone out of our way, the, the, the church has bought a medical bag, a very, very advanced medical kit. Has everything but pretty much the kitchen sink is left out. And that's only because it's not big enough. But uh, it has everything that our medical team would need to assist you in any type of basic medical emergency. And to do so within three to five seconds, as opposed to a traditional wait of three to five minutes for emergency personnel from Woodhaven to arrive here, even though they're only about two miles away. And of course, you all of you understand that in a medical emergency, seconds really count, okay? And so some of the things that we have in this bag, just for instance, is a blood pressure kit. Um, if, you are, if you have a problem with high blood pressure, you're feeling that effects during the church service, we don't want you to sit there and hope it passes. We have something that we can tell you, yes, it's high, let's deal with it. We have a glucose monitor test. If you are a diabetic or you, uh, you start feeling faint during the service and you don't know why, we don't want you to sit there and just worry about it. We want you to, to seek out one of our medical professionals and we can get a, a quick test on you to see what your levels are and to know then how to treat you. If it's really low, if we need to contact medical personnel, we can. But we can deal with that situation in three to five seconds and we don't have to wait. Uh, and the other thing that we have is a, uh, a defibrillator, an AED. Uh, and as you know, probably that's the most effective tool in, in anybody that's in cardiac arrest. And it's, it's a life-saving tool uh, that we carry with us. Now, it's not only here at the church, but we carry these items to all of our activities. So in case there's an emergency there, we can use it. So at this time, I would like our, our medical team, if they would like to stand up. Um, there's, there's a few missing, and I'm going to um, – we have one – uh, and there's a couple that are actually working in other areas of the church. But our medical team is Peter Stevens, Wanda Stevenson, uh, Michelle Doberton, Beth Akers, Larissa Badillo, uh, Carissa Davison, and Amy Crawford. And Amy, I know she works on the weekends. So we have uh, quite a few medical professionals. Here's our lone doctor. The rest of them are nurses, but just as qualified and very highly seek trained. Them seek them out. Yes, and he just told us, seek the nurses out. Okay, he He's like most doctors are just going to sit back and watch, okay? So the nurses 
or who you want to go to right away. Thank you very much. All right. Um, the reason why I had them stand up, again, if you have a problem, like my mother in her church, she would go through the whole service having the problem. Pain in the chest, uh, weak, feeling dizzy, hot flash, something that you would need to take care of right away. But because she doesn't want to inconvenience anybody or she doesn't know that there's possibly somebody sitting in front of her or behind her that could help, she'll stay silent. Why don't We don't want that here at CBC. We want you to feel comfortable even during the service, like today, to take care of a problem. We'll, just t- we'll take care of it. pastor will keep on preaching, all right, and we'll take care of you. But that's what we want you to do is to seek us out. Now, not only do we have uh, our professionals medically, but we have also established a security team. And uh, these guys, uh, we have a number of men in the church, and their sole purpose, as Pastor said, is to look out for the safety and the welfare of all of us while we're here at uh, church and while we're at other functions. Um, and we've had, this, we've had these, uh, this team in place for over a year. Uh, we had them at the other building. You may have found, may knew it. You may may didn't. We don't wear blazers that say security on the back. We don't have name tags. So the only thing that you could identify us with are the walkie-talkies. And uh, some of you might have seen these. This is our communication because of the building that we're in. Because of our unique situation here at CBC and with the children and other groups that are way on the other side of the building, we really felt it prudent that we have a different way of communication. Uh, it would take somebody, um, one of the younger security guys, to run all the way down would take them at least a minute to run to the other end of the building uh, in case of emergency. Well, now we have direct communication. And uh, the people that have these on our security staff, I, I always have one as a security director, and uh, we have Bob Stepp, who has a, has a radio at all times. Our nursery has a radio in the nursery. And in case of any type of emergency there, they can contact me immediately or any of the other security personnel. Uh, we have two security personnel that roam the halls and, and are watching the front door and the parking lot in case anybody's kind of lurking around there. And uh, Peter Stevens, Stevenson's a lot, he does it a lot, is the roamer. I think that's when he gets his exercise on Sunday morning. But he roams the hall. He walks all the way back to the children's ministries, makes sure that they're okay, comes back. And, again, we have direct communication with those. Now, these aren't just used for security purposes uh, for emergencies. This is for convenience also. Uh, and for, just as an example, our, uh, our nursery at any given time has 10, 12 babies in there with five or six workers. Well, if there is a, many times a, a baby needs fed or it's crying and we need a mother, well, now traditionally you would now have to take a worker out of that environment, leave more kids with the ones that are there, and they have to come and find the mother. Well, now, as, as convenience sake, now security or uh, now they can just get a hold of us immediately. They can stay with the child. You have the same amount of workers in there, and we can come immediately and get a mother out or a father out of the service, and they can tend to their child, whatever the problem is. Uh, and so it's much quicker that way. So those are the reasons why we have gotten these, uh, this uh, system. Now, at this time, I would like all our security guys to come forward. And uh, all the security guys, why don't you come on up? As they're doing so, uh, I want to point out, Mike Calabrese is walking up here uh, next to me. Mike and myself are the uh, security directors. It sounds like a fancy term, but since we're the only certified police officers in the church so far, um, it was just a logical choice for us to head up this new uh, ministry in the church 
and to come up with the policies and procedures. Uh, between Mike and myself, we have over 25 years of police experience in dealing with crisis situations, and we're able to, uh, just by our training, react a little bit more calm than the average person in a crisis. And we're able to think and multitask a little bit more than the normal person, not to put anybody else down, but that is our job. We've done it for years and years, so it becomes a little bit more natural. So we were able to come up with all these policies and procedures and, uh, and always looking, we're always talking between each other, looking to improve, and we were just doing that uh, 20 minutes ago. Um, so these are our guys. We have a few that are missing. Let me see who's missing. Um, is Mike Garner up here? Mike, Mike is, uh, there he is. Mike is an honorary security member, all right? Because Mike is so involved with everything else, he has also been a part of the, uh, the conception of the security team. So he is with us, and I count him as part of this. Uh, Bob Stepp is unable to be here today because he's out of town, and also Jim Principe. Um, but these are the guys that every week are just in the background. They're not looking for anything. In fact, the training that they all, all have had over, over several, several weeks, we've met for quite a few hours on several different occasions to train them in certain situations. They hope they never have to use it. I hope they never have to use it. I hope we have to train and rehearse every year to refresh their memories just so we don't ever have to use this. But it's so important to have something like this in place if that chance ever did happen, that these guys will be ready and that you have the confidence in the guys up here that they will take care of your children and take care of you and get you out of the building safely. Or whatever the situation is, they will be able to handle it. Uh, so I really commend them. I thank them for their, uh, for their service every week because it is a thankless job. And, uh, but we are up here, again, to serve you. We, we want you to seek us out. If there is a problem, if you see somebody, as Pastor said, it's important to everyone to keep their eyes open. But we want you to also um, to, to contact us in case of emergency. Thanks, guys. And you guys can get all set up where you need to go. And, uh... um, one last thing, when I, when I talked with Mike and myself, being the directors, um, our phone numbers are on the website. Feel free to please put those phone numbers uh, in your phone. Uh, have them jotted down somewhere. Uh, we are available to you 24-7 in related, in related issues to church security. If there's a problem or concern, you might have a problem of a personal nature, and, and it's tough to talk about sometimes, but that's reality. And uh, if there is a personal nature of safety in your family that could spill over into the church, we would like to know that. And, uh, of course, confidence would be of the utmost importance, but Mike and I would feel the need to know something like that so that we could inform some of the other security personnel on who to look for, again, remembering that the the safety of our visitors, uh, of our guests, of the members here, and of our children are of the top priority uh, on our list. And, uh, and so if it's something that you think we need to know, we'd like to know about it. Um, from here, uh, we're almost uh, going to be hitting our, uh, our drill here in just a few minutes. I want to explain why. There's two reasons why we're doing this drill and how we're going to execute it. Um, First, the first reason, Mike and myself are going to be evaluating the efficiency of this drill. And if there's any, uh, if there's any issues that need to be changed or addressed, we want to do that here in a practice run. Uh, and that's why we're doing this. We want to change it to make it the, the best type of plan. We think we have done that already, and we, we have the highest expectations that this is going to run very smoothly. 
But if there is a change, we want to know now so we can discuss it. And if something really happened for real, we'd already have those plans changed. The second reason that we're doing this today is I want to ensure all the parents here, and even grandparents, that your children are being taken care of. And we have thought of every possible scenario, and we want you to know that we have certain security members that are going directly to your children to get them outside safely, along with their teachers who have already been uh, trained. So the teachers in the Sunday school classes know what to do when they hear, let's evacuate the building. And, uh, and so we want to assure you that we've done everything we can to ensure the safety of your, of your children. The, the worst thing that could happen in a crisis situation is to have parents running scattered and running through the building looking for their children only to find that you really don't know what room they're in on the other side of the building. Uh, only to find that if you do find the room, they're already gone. And they're already outside waiting for you. And we can't have that. We, we really need to be held accountable for everybody here. Uh, and so that's the purpose of this drill, is so that you can go outside and say, oh, wow, they, they really do have it under control, and my kids are already waiting for me. And that's what the drill is today. What we're going to do here in just a couple minutes is uh, during the evacuation, everyone in this room, your main evacuation point is right through where it says Senior Lounge, right through Cafe Community to the exit door, which leads to the parking lot. And Larry Charbonneau is already in position because he, that is his specific job. He will be leading everyone out to the parking, through the parking lot to the back fields. Once you're in the parking lot, you're going to take a, a right-hand turn, and you're going to walk south through the parking lot right along the building. And when you come to the edge of the building, you're going to look and see the football fields. That's where we're going to meet everyone. It's the, uh, right in front of the major concession building. Uh, it's a big white building that says Woodhaven Football. And that's where we are all going to meet along with your children. Now, the great thing about this plan, and it just happened to work out this way, the reason why we picked that area is because the kindergarten through sixth grade only have to walk about 50 yards, and they're already in, their, uh, already in the spot waiting for their parents to show up. The nursery and toddler rooms have about a 100-yard walk, but we have over, I think, between 8 and 10 people that are going to assist just in those two rooms themselves to get all the babies out and all the toddlers out, and they will also be waiting by the time we get there. We have the longest walk, I'm sorry, um, but I could use the exercise and maybe some of you could too. So uh, what we ask, this is a practice drill. Nobody's got to run. Nobody's got to be worried. This is half speed. This is nice and relaxed. You can talk while you're out there. But um, because it is a practice, I am not requiring that everybody walk the entire distance to the football field. If you have problems, if you uh, have problems walking or you have a knee injury or just don't feel, feel up to it, I'm not requiring you to do that today. What we do want is for everybody to at least get up and exit out. We want to see how long it takes to clear the room. Once outside, this is the end of church, really, of Sunday school hour. And you can come back in if you're not going to take the walk down to the other end. Everyone else, I, I do ask that you do, though. Uh, you can walk back in and get your things, and you can leave. You're done. If you want to stick around for us to come back in and talk, you can do that too. Uh, there will be some people that need to come back in and get some belongings and some things from the nursery, and we'll do that then. Um, one last thing before we do our drill. Again, we're not asking for any additional help. As much as you want to be a good Samaritan, as much as you think that you can help and be effective, we're asking that you don't. We're asking that you follow our security team. 
uh, and trust that we have put enough people in place that we can properly do this. And uh, the only reason why you would actually help is if you were specifically instructed to by one of our security personnel to actually go to a certain area and help. Uh, otherwise, we just ask you that you calmly exit the building along with uh, and, and uh, follow Larry along with some of ours. Now, you see some bouncers over at the other end. They're not letting you go that way, okay? And if this was a real emergency, they're going to puff up their chest, and you won't get by them, okay? Because that's the last thing we knew is that we need to have people running through the building that we, don't, we can't account for, okay? Uh, and our last thing, everybody knows Ron Biggs. We hear him every, every week. He's got a great voice. He is going to be our voice of reason up here and calm. Is that a good title? All right, Ron's just got a few things he's going to remind you as you're exiting the building. He will remind you because, again, in a real crisis, uh, parents are going to be upset. Mothers especially will be more intense. Uh, and he wants to remind you on this card that your children are waiting outside for you. Please follow Larry. Stay calm. And we'll all meet up together outside. All right, so he, in about, in about 60 seconds, we are going to go ahead and do our drill. And thank you for your cooperation. Again, Whenever we're done, we're going to have probably a one or two minutes at the football fields just to finish up, and then Sunday school will be over. You can leave from there or come back in the building to get things. So in about 60 seconds, Ron's going to come up, and when he starts talking, oh, yes, uh, very good point. Before we get going, again, 6 o'clock tonight is our child protection class. Very important for anybody that, um, that is working with our children or if you want to find out, if you, if you don't work, but you have children and want to find out what it's all about and what, what things we have put into place to protect your children, by all means, you are very welcome to come also. All right, thank you for your time. And in about 60 seconds, we'll get up and follow Larry.